guest this week, we are venturing to Planet Raggle, and I'm joined by guest professor coming straight to us from Pioneer 2. You might know him from IGN, where he does work there, and his own site, Heavy Strike. I'd like to give a big, warm Fantasy Star welcome to Mr. Eric Sapp. Thank you so much, sir. How's it going? Good. Thank you for having me. This is like awesome. I love PSOs, and I'm glad that you hit me up about this. (laughs) <laughs> well, thank you for for answering the call and yeah. everything. And uh, this is one of those games that we both have a lot of memories for. Uh, we still occasionally play you you more so than I, mm-hmm. but that is just it's one of those great games to go back to. You know, mm-hmm. it's just oh, it takes me back every time I boot up PSO. I'm just reminded of like 2001 when it first came out, and just yeah. like. The feeling of jumping into PSO for the first time after watching, uh, I believe it was one of Adam Sessler's old shows on Tech TV back then. Pre-G4 days. Yeah, pre-G4 days. Uh, He did a review of PSO and gave it like four out of five stars. And I was watching it, you know, as a kid. And back then, I didn't really understand what was going on other than, oh my gosh, this looks like Ocarina of Time with lightsabers. Mom, I need, I need this game, yeah. Mom. And so I finally talked my mom into letting me pre-order it. And it was the first game I ever pre-ordered on my own. Oh, memories. Oh. And then uh, the guy was like, oh, yeah, this got delayed to, like, February. Or was it January? And I was just like, oh. Dreamcast was January, yeah. That's right, yeah. And then they're like, are you, are you sure you still want to pre-order it? And I was like, yeah. Yeah, I do. <laughs> and then January rolled around, got PSO. And it's funny because back then uh, we were living we were living up in Alaska. We were Air Force folks back then, and back then we didn't really have great internet. Uh, our internet service provider was called, I believe, it was Santa Net. <laughs> Best name like, though, like I, I know it was shit, up at the I'd North get, Pole. I would get internet from Santa, but it wasn't good internet. It was like what I don't even know what's like better than. You know, 28K and 56K, like in between that. It was just, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. And so my brother and his friends were like, hey, we I don't think you're going to be able to play this online. Our internet's really bad. And I was like, I don't care. I just want to play this game. It's awkward in time with lightsabers. Because I was a huge Zelda fan oh, yeah. back then. I'm a Zelda kid. And so I saw this game and I was like, yeah, this looks, this is calling to me. And then, uh, you know, got PSO version one on Dreamcast, and I put it in the Dreamcast and booted it online. And back then, I was also super into Dragon Ball Z, and so when it popped up with the character creator, I basically made my guy look like a Super Saiyan. It was a... Uh, As I, you have to do. I know, I'm, right? I hear you. And, uh, you know, it's been, oh gosh, almost 20 years, and I still don't know the exact pronunciation of the character classes in PSO. <laughs> It's like capital H-U, like Hunter, and then Mar for human. Like Humar. Humar. Yeah. yeah. Humar, That's kind of how I always uh, viewed them as. Me too. I just never know like how to actually say it. So um, please don't throw tomatoes at me, PSO fans. I'm saying it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so I made a Humar. He's like this cool uh, Super Saiyan, literally just named Eric because I was a kid and I didn't know about like online names and stuff back mm. then and role-playing stuff and so i go online and i load into the lobby and there's like 
30 people or so just like hanging out and talking. And then it was like me in my room with my controller and the little uh, Dreamcast keyboard with the controller like underneath the cord so it wouldn't get tangled. And then my brother and his friends were all like watching and, the, and all of us were just like, oh my God, it's working. <laughs> it's working. What? And I remember just going into like the little um, the party counter and just joining a random game with like a bunch of new players. And I had no idea what was going on. I was running around Pioneer 2, the whole cityscape, just looking at the like, just everything, the vibe. Mm-hmm. It was so, I didn't even know what Blade Runner was back then, but it was super Blade Runner, you know. A lot of neon like signs. The neon, and, the neon colors. Yes. P.S. I'll get to that later, but um, yeah. yes, yes. And I remember going into like a, um, it was like the portal to the, the to Planet Regal, and it said forest and caves. And I was like, forest? Oh, that's the first level. So I go to forest, and I'm running around, and there's no one to be, there's no one to be found, but everyone's talking. So I see their chat bubbles popping up, and I'm just like, where is everyone? And I run into a room, and I don't know how to fight. I don't even know how to combo. I don't know anything. Mm-hmm. And one of the savage wolves came and just, like, hopped on me, like, three times and just killed me. And then my <laughs> my saber and my money was on the ground. And I died. I was like, oh, I guess I died. And I asked people in the chat, like, hey, where are you guys? And they're like, oh, we're in the caves. And I was like, okay. So I go back. Get my body, my weapon. Wait, no. I actually go to the caves without my body and my weapons or my money. And everyone's like, why are you unequipped? And I'm like, oh, I lost my sword. And they're like, oh, you, <laughs> did you die? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, oh, you have to go back and get it. I was like, oh, okay. So I had to go back to the portal, go back to the forest, try to dodge all the boomers and wolves, get mm-hmm. my saber and my money back, go back to the caves. And then people in the game were really nice, and they taught me the combo system. They're like, hey, you have to time it with the little like circle that goes around your character. I was like, oh. And then um, I saw someone with a purple saber. I think it was called the brand. And I was like, hey, give me that. And they're like, no. <laughs> and I was just a dumb kid. And so I started spamming like the, um, the cry symbol chat mm-hmm. over and over again. And then I'm pretty sure they just like ran out and just left the room and just blocked me forever. <laughs> <laughs> I really wanted a, pearl, a blue lightsaber. And then I finally understood what RPG online RPG etiquette is. Yeah. So, yeah, I was I was um 11 years old when all this happened. That's a that's a that's a good starting off point. Yeah. And for this to get every all the listeners into the mindset and an idea of what else was going on when this came out. Dreamcast version one that Eric was just talking about originally came out in Japan back in November twenty or actually came out in uh, November twenty first two thousand, followed by North America in January twenty ninth of two thousand one, and then it made its way over to Europe in March first of two thousand two. That was for the original version one on Dreamcast. Then Japan ended up, or Sega ended up porting uh, Fantasy Star Online over to the brand new nintendo gamecube and this version and this is the version i know and i love this is the this is the version that i got super hooked on this is my favorite version we'll get to that soon oh yes the gamecube version of episode one and two online came out september 12th of 2002 and it made its way over to the u.s on october 29th of 2002 and march 14th 2003 for eu 
then uh, a couple years or a year or so after that they decided to also bring it to xbox the original xbox um for japan it just came out in quarter one of 2003 i wasn't able to find a firm release date on that but just quarter one 2003 and then the xbox version came out over here on april 15th 2003 in the u.s and may 23rd 2003 for europe so those are when it was released and for this next part we always go into what other notable games came out or we we or you could have been playing along with fantasy star online so we're going to go with the gamecube release because that's what i know and i love also released in 2001s we had elder scrolls morrowind for xbox came out that was a pretty another deep rich rpg eternal darkness came out for the gamecube Oh, Dark man, Cloud. I still never yeah. beat Eternal Darkness. I, I still have to play it. It's always yeah. been one of those games I really want to play, but I, I never owned it. I remember renting it from Blockbuster back then, and I had no idea what I was doing because I never really played like a you know mm-hmm. survival horror back then. And so I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. So I remember just taking it back. But then like years later, I hear how phenomenal it gets and mm-hmm. how trippy it gets. And so I kind of want to go back and play that. But yeah really strange with as much of a cult classic and cult following that game has how that series has never been touched since oh totally it's it's one of those strange ones where it's like it did well it's it was one of the more popular games of the gamecube launch cycle because we were still very much in the gamecube like launch year totally at this point and then it just kind of faded into the darkness pun intended (laughs) dark cloud 2 came out a really good level 5 action RPG I highly recommend. Metroid Prime was out. Zelda Ooh. Wind Waker came out, and people loved it and hated it all at the same time somehow. So much discourse over oh, Toon Link. Those... Man, I remember those comments. Oh, me too. In the early days of the interwebs. Oh, me too. Whew. And now people are clamoring and desperately want it on the Nintendo Switch. They want a port of it. Mm-hmm. See, Nintendo knows things. Like they know things. They know. They know what they're like, doing. People will hate it, but then they'll come to love it, and it'll be fine. And people will be begging for it, right, for years to come. Bravo, Nintendo! I, really I think, good. Zelda I think. Game. I think a lot of that rage was because of the whole. Um, what was it? The Zelda GameCube tech demo that was like. Oh a super, yeah, the Galaxy mm-hmm. show or whatever it used to be called. Was it that called? super realistic Ocarina of Time fight scene with like Link and Ganondorf, and it yeah. was like. Oh my god, we want that! And then Wind Waker happened. They're like, "Oh, we what? don't want that." Yeah, yeah and then they, they did. We got Twilight Princess. Set themselves it's, it's up good. for uh, so for, for some smackins. <laughs> totally. Um, Sly Cooper: Thievius Raccoonus also came out in two thousand one. Absolutely love the series. Love Sly Cooper. Give us Sly Five. Uh, the first remake of resident evil zero or the first remake of resident evil the first one was released on gamecube and the prequel to it resident evil zero finally came out oh wow originally was supposed to be an n64 title i remember that i remember that Mm Mhm. and now you can play all those on your switch or your playstation and it's crazy yeah. And they've remade it again with different <laughs> controls. It's crazy. Remakes, man. Remake culture. Please remake Outbreak. Yes. Agreed. And uh, James Bond 007 Nightfire came out. I absolutely loved this James Bond title. 
it's a fantastic shooter. I played it a ton with my friend on GameCube, where we would just spawn a bunch of bots on this one specific level with snipers only and just set their... Because you could set the AI in this game, and mm-hmm. we set it so the AI would just run towards you like they would be trying to avenge themselves. We would just be on the top of this like hotel on one side of the map and just snipe the bots running towards us down this snowy slope <laughs> great times great times my, my brother and i did that exact same thing in perfect dark where oh. it would be like us with like shotguns and set all the bots to be slappers only so they just run mm-hmm. towards you to slap you till your whole screen gets blurry and you just die <laughs> oh yeah i miss that's I one miss, thing shooters are severely lacking nowadays slappers only modes agreed agreed or just melee in general yeah. besides like you know click down the right stick yeah. to like insta kill someone with a knife it's like no i want to like punch someone no, until man. they like realize what the hell's going on and they give freak me out. apex where i can only like slap someone exactly Ooh, a slappers only battle royale Ooh, that could or, be or it's like a battle royale but it's only melee so it's almost like a mix of slappers and like chivalry or something where you can basically oh, pick up like so cool like frying pans and f- dead fish and mm-hmm. golf clubs and oven mitts and just like smack each other to <laughs> who's the best slapper out of a hundred people i mean i would play that i feel like i i feel like we should invest in that be like hey the new the new sensation slap fight slap fight slap of the hill <laughs> king of the slap king of the slap the slapping death slap Ooh, that's spicy i love that i know right <laughs> got a little spice to that one a little zing right at the end love it i like it love and it. the game of the year for 2001 that came out or excuse me 2002 i i've been listing 2002 games just for clarification yeah. um bmx triple x came out all right, I have I uh, okay. I'm guilty of playing this game. That's, go for it. I mean, I I played it too. I was I was a teenager oh, at this time. It was a game I, know. I could run ride around with a topless chick and yeah, do bike tricks. Well, it's funny because my brother and I we really loved Dave Mears BMX Two mm-hmm. because that game was one of the first like console games I think that actually have like ragdoll physics on the characters. Mm-hmm. And so it was weird. I don't. We don't know if it was a glitch or not. But if you were to like bail on your bike and go into ragdoll mode, um, at least on like GameCube or like on Xbox, if you hold down like Y, um, your character will like grab onto things while you're in ragdoll mode. <laughs> and so we would like go to the highway level on the. Um, there's a mode where you basically have to get the most damage done to yourself. Mm-hmm. And so we would go to the highway level as like the Slim Jim guy. And like bail on our bikes because another thing that you, we found out too, which we don't know is a glitch or not, is if uh, if you like jump up in the air on your bike and you basically just mash down every button on the controller, your character will just go automatically into ragdoll mode. And so oh, we wow. would just like jump off the highway overpass, ragdoll into the air, and like slam in front of like trains or I wasn't it was, <laughs> not trains, it was uh, like semi trucks and cars on the highway, and mm-hmm. hold down Y and like. The characters are like grabbing onto like the wheels and getting dragged on the ground, and like your score is just tiling up, just going wild. And we don't know if it was a glitch or not, but we would sit there and just crying, laughing so hard at <laughs> watching these characters like flip flop around and stuff. But then BMX Triple X came out, and they like nerfed the ragdolls. 
like your characters would be kind of like stuck in the animation, but mm-hmm. they would kind of like just bounce around. And we were so heartbroken. That's a bummer. And then but the game I'm just sure tried they really weren't hard. Pushing the uh, the ragdoll physics in that game, that probably wasn't one of their selling points. I know. And then like we played it, and we're kind of like you know, as dumb teenagers, yeah. even then we were kind of like, this game's like kind of trying too hard. Mm-hmm. It was pretty. It was pretty bad. Yeah, it was a bad game. It was. It, it was. That, it was like objectively like a two out of ten. <laughs> oh yeah, it was not good. Hands down, on a oh. good day, it would be a two out of ten. So bad. Hands down. But we are here to talk about a good game. We are here to talk about a damn good game, game that has withstood the test of time. Yes. Holy crap. We're talking Fantasy Star Online. So, Eric, you gave us a great introduction to how you got into the series. For me, I remember it was... I had gotten the GameCube that year for Christmas. I had gotten Metroid Prime and Smash Brothers. And I remember seeing a bunch of... Uh, like EGM magazines and whatnot with Fantasy Star Online mm-hmm. um, for the GameCube coming out. I remember um, commercials and things like that and trailers being shown. I was like, oh my God, I need it. And it came out and I had gotten my GameCube in and everything. So it was, I think it was the day after Christmas that year, 2002, where I begged my mom to take me to a, my local GameStop. And she hates going, she wants nothing to do with stores the day after Christmas. She's always been like that. And she's like, no, it's going to be packed. It's going to be crowded. I don't want to deal with it. I'm still tired from the day before. Mm-hmm. Just be thankful for what you got. And I was like, yeah, I am. And I love Smash Brothers and Metroid Prime. Yeah, but But like but PSO, Mom, though. But, but listen to me. It's Fantasy Star. And this GameStop only has one copy left. So we have to go. So she was grumbled and was oh, fine. And well, we get to the store that I thought I had called um, that said they only had one copy left. Turns out it wasn't the correct store because I lived in an area where there was a mall across the street. There was a mall and they had a GameStop. And then across the street was a plaza store and they're the ones that had the copy, but I got the two mixed up. Oh, so I no. called the wrong store, or I told my mom to go to the wrong store, who was already mad at me. Oh, no. So we went to the mall store. They didn't have it, so it's like, but uh, could we, could, we're already over here. So by this point, she is absolutely angry at me. Like, she is giving me the silent treatment. She just, I'll wait in the car and whatever. Oh, um, no. So we ended up getting it, and... Uh, playing it i was bummed when i got home that to play online you needed yeah for the gamecube for people that might not know you had to buy a separate adapter that plugged into the bottom of the gamecube that lets you play online mm-hmm. and this is also one of the games that you require a monthly fee to play um, oh, well i never yeah. got i never got the broadband adapter for the gamecube but this this version did have local multiplayer and oh man did i play a lot of local multiplayer um the character i have still have still on my memory card it's a humar uh dude named raz um raz. and yeah raz i don't know what it was but i named him raz he had silver hair and uh i Currently, he's rocking dual, like, legendary uh, katanas, like, dual swords. Oh, is it this uh, Sange and Yasha? I believe so. 
Those are it's good been novels. a long time, but I believe those were it. And that next summer, um, like I played it a bunch and I would occasionally go over to my friend George's house and we would play it. Him, myself, and his older brother, Tony, we would play Fantasy Star. But that next summer, summer of 2003, I was probably over at their house maybe three or four t- days a week. And we would play that all day and we had, would have tombstone barbecue chicken pizzas for lunch oh absolutely yes. delicious oh, yes can't find them anywhere anymore and it breaks my heart every time i go to the grocery store oh, no. um but we would do that and we would just play a bunch of fantasy star and it was fantastic and i remember going through the forests and the first time we were in the caves and going through the boss uh, when you're on the raft when you oh, had to fight Rolly. that boss yeah oh and, that, oh and just seeing all the stuff like mm-hmm. just seeing all of this happen all like way back then like i might i might be like a pso fanboy but like damn this game was so ahead of its time it really was like the it, dreamcast it just, was ahead it, of its time right like it just did so many things that so many games nowadays should take for granted because PSO did it first. Yeah. <laughs> like, she did that. Yeah. And and what's cool, and we live, we're to the age, I don't know specifically how old you are. I'm 31, we'll be 32 in April. But as you mentioned, we have the memories still of growing up in a time before internet and with bad mm-hmm. internet mm-hmm. and before all the conveniences of modern day gaming we re- we remember those days we didn't have online play we actually had to get together with our friends to play these games yeah we had to deal with corded controllers people oh no and then the the one mad cats controller yeah <laughs> You would give your friend you didn't like the crappy wireless controller. Oh my gosh, but like the, the turbo button that like just never worked. Mm. Yeah, memories. The good days, the like the the olden times. Mm-hmm. But it's but as you were saying, this game did so many. Th- it was the first console MMO. Yep. You know, it's the first console the- MMO that like kind of like simplified how a, a grindy you know, d- loot hunting g- dungeon crawler game should be that other games like Borderlands and stuff. Like you see, like Borderlands, you're like, yeah, like it. That's PSO. Like the way, like the loot, like the loot looks and stuff in the world. How it's all like different color depending on what type of loot it is and everything. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, like PSO is the one who did that. Yeah, it, it's you bring up a really good point. Things like games like Destiny or Borderlands, mm-hmm. the loot heavy games. You see so much inspiration taken from these old games that, like, you can still see so many of the systems that were first first introduced with your wizardry and your Ultima Online and your EverQuest and your right. Fantasy Star and your Diablos, mm-hmm. still carrying on and being refined. But they all started way back when, and it's like, what what would the gaming landscape be if we didn't have like the big pillars? Right. For a I lot, think the, for I think the, the genre. thing with like. PSO is like um, with other games like Ultima, EverQuest, you know, the games that came before Diablo 2 and everything like that is that PSO, because I think it was a console game that was more, mm-hmm. you know, third person 3, 3D instead of like kind of like top down isometric 2D yeah. mixed with 3D, is that 
what it did was made that experience of finding loot and you know f- killing bosses and enemies everything like that just more visualized yeah which is what games nowadays i feel like you know have learned from pso is that you can make loot and stuff exciting when things drop from bosses and stuff you know yeah. like when you see that red rare box drop from like an enemy you everyone mm-hmm. rushes towards it cuz it could be anything you know and it could be like the most rare weapon in the entire game, or it could be another freaking crappy Verista handgun. Yeah. But it's there's there's excitement of running these same like ten levels over and over mm-hmm. and over getting PSOs because it's fun to find loot. Yeah, and they were the original loot boxes. I know, literally. <laughs> <laughs> but that sense of wonder and excitement, and I think the GameCube really helped make it make this kind of genre a bit more mainstream just in because it was on a nintendo console and everyone knew nintendo Mm -hmm. and it was all local multi like you could play it locally with a bunch of your friends you each had your own character and could save and things like that i think that helped but that sense of i remember with red drops and when i was playing with my friends that excitement i was like oh my god what did you get you know Mm -hmm. And special yeah. weapon. You're like, oh, what is it? Get to run back to the town and get that techer to examine it and make sure it's the right mm-hmm. weapon. Oh, yeah. So or cool. getting new mag stuff. Your little floating robot. Mm-hmm. Um, getting the new kind of skins and uh, models for that. And... Just, just the whole mag system in general too is so good. Like mm-hmm. back then, it was like, oh, hey, like you want to play a hack and slash dungeon crawler? Oh, do you also want a Tamagotchi? Like, yes, sign sure. me up. So, yeah, like, um, for those who are listening, uh, in PSO, uh, your characters were equipped with a little floating robot companion called a mag. And what you do is you basically take, like, healing items and weapons and anything that you don't really need a use for, you can feed your mag, and it basically increases its stats, which also increases your stats. So you can kind of create these different builds with mags, and then the mags can also evolve to different forms in a way. Um, you can also find like rare, like not like blueprints, forget what they're actually called, but they're called oh mag kits that can That's evolve right. your mag to like special versions, like a you know a Chow from Sonic Adventure or to a cheeseburger or to a floating Dreamcast, a Master System. Like they got really fun with these little mags. And so sometimes if you go online, you would see the other players with these mags that you've never seen before. And you're like, oh my gosh, how did you get that? Chances yeah. are they're probably hackers. But <laughs> they were a sense of like pride and honor just as much as the weapons people were wielding. Because right. all the unique or the special weapons, the red weapons, mm-hmm. had like unique looks to them. And it's like, oh my god, how did you... How'd you get this? That looks so cool. And right, because like back then as well, like the char- you could create a character, but the characters didn't really appearance-wise didn't change with level. The more you mm-hmm. progressed, it kind of just stayed static. You can, you know, change your costume, which is just a kind of a retexture, like your hairstyle, if you have enough money. Yeah. But um, yeah, the only way to kind of see how good a player was in PSO is by what weapons you're using and what kind of mag they had. And that's one thing I I don't know if you did, ever did this Eric while you were playing is mm-hmm. I would give my my character kind of like I was big into I was much bigger into anime back then than I am now where I'm much I'm more selective and I don't watch as many shows but like after beating the boss of the forest or something or 
getting through a difficulty i would always go back and tweak the appearance of my character like give him a new haircut and stuff so it's like starting a new arc or like oh make right. him look a look a little grittier like he's been through stuff mm-hmm. um but yeah, yeah I, always... I, do, I do that in uh i do that in wow like all the time yeah i'm always like you know kill this big raid boss big lore important character i'll go back and like reflect my armor to be like kind of like almost like low-key role-playing in my head a little bit and it's like yeah yeah, like i did that my character been rewarded with like a new set of gear looks badass Mm -hmm. kind of like reflect on that like i changed my look because of this moment i totally feel that my character got injured during the fight so he's gonna have a scar on his face now yeah little things like that Mm -hmm. that's that was my jam that was that was my jam totally so what was you you said you were a humar was it yep what was your kind of go-to weapon or your weapon types you so my favorite kind of weapons were just swords which in pso Mm -hmm. were giant two-handed swords that can cleave like groups of enemies kind of like a frontal cone attack that can you know hit enemies but also kind of pushes them back just a little bit to make room for other players to kind of jump in and you know kill them but um, my favorite, I guess, go down my top tier weapons for PSO. Um, my favorite sword in PSO aesthetically was Flowin Sword. Because it was like this, um, it's kind of hard to describe. It was like this like silver sword that almost made it look like it was out of, made out of glass or something. Mm-hmm. And then the core of it would like change between green and blue. It was very subtle. I was like, this is my sword. This is my sword. <laughs> and then I also love the um, the single saber, the, the the Lavis cannon, I think it was called. It was like the ultimate saber in the game. It was this purple triangular saber that its special attack is shoot out like a laser beam or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a funny story about that that we we'll might get to later. but Share it. Okay. So I had a friend... Uh, she played a Humar as well, and she got to level 200 in PSO GameCube. And the night she got level 200, she got the Lavis Cannon to drop in Ultimate Caves. Oh, and wow. The, the Lavis Cannon drop rate is, I want to say it's like one out of 200-something thousand or something like that. It's very, very low drop rate. And she got it. And that same night... Her memory card got wiped. Oh. And she didn't give up. She went back. She played for a couple of months. We helped her out. She got back to level 200. And then she got another Lavis cannon drop. Like, it was just like the universe, the PSO gods were like, we are so sorry for what happened here. <laughs> you can have another one for all your hard work. And that was just wow. one of those moments where we were just like, wow, like the luck of that happening again is unreal the whole thing took like five months for her to grind back up to 200 again but it was so much fun oh i bet yeah it was just um yeah it's one of those games like i said before you know i can play the same levels over and over and over again because there's that mystery of knowing that Mm -hmm. something could drop And and there's no other systems in play there's no like you know drop rate increase 
tickets you could buy on a Sega store or nothing like that. It's just you play the game, you get what you get. If you're lucky, you're lucky. If you're not lucky, you still had fun playing with your friends. Mm-hmm. And I just yeah, love and this that. was, and this was the time when like the this was a a fairly hardcore RPG. I mean, drop rates were low, especially like you were saying for a lot of these big legendary. Mm-hmm. Uh, high ranking or rank 12 weapons and it was it was an investment to try and get these and uh yeah it uh, good times good times, good times. <laughs> a lot of good times and a oh, lot of a lot stress of, trying to get that yeah. one weapon to drop back when that's what we stressed about on a day-to-day you know oh yeah and then it was um what was it going traveling back in time a little bit back to PSO on Dreamcast. Um, I played a lot of version one. I got to like level 70, I think it was back then. And mm-hmm. then my family, we had to move across the states basically. Um, my parents decided to, you know, my dad was retiring from the Air Force. They wanted to move to Utah from Alaska. And so I basically had to like pack up everything and move to Utah. I flew down with my mom. Um, I didn't have my Dreamcast with me or nothing like that. Um, and then my brother and my dad drove from Alaska through Canada all the way down to Utah. And again, they also didn't bring the Dreamcast with them. And so I was Dreamcastless for a couple of months. And during those months, uh, PSO version 2 came out. And that was basically, it was like, I wouldn't call it an expansion pack for Dreamcast PSO. It was more of just like a re-release with like new additions to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it had like a challenge mode, um, which was kind of like a time trial mode with like your friends you could do. It had a PvP battle mode, which was pretty janky back then. Um, I didn't really play much of that. But then it had an all-new ultimate difficulty mode that I had no idea about. And so couple of months pass we finally get to our house we finally get internet after weeks of trying um that's when i played a lot of jet set radio and unlocked every single character including the hidden dog character Ooh, Potts. Game. i love jet set radio so much i was a dreamcast kid i just loved it so much and then um skies of arcadia so you know what i've never actually got to play through the full game really? a friend a friend of mine had it and I, I played it at his place and it was really good i love the art style for that game too oh so good this but um, yeah. So I finally talked my parents and let me get PSO version two, which was the first introduction of the monthly fee, and I had to like beg them. I was like, you don't understand. It's so good. It's only ten bucks a month. Please let me play this game online with my friends. And then my parents were like, you know, he's you know Eric's about to turn into a teenager. We don't want him like you know going out and doing shady shit. So. <laughs> Um, maybe it's better to keep them in the house, so we'll just have them be addicted to PSO. And so they did it. And I'll so, do drugs if you don't let me play Fantasy Star. No, my parents, they were like like that, sort of. Yeah. They were like, my mom was a worry wart. She would worry about everything. And so she was like, you know, maybe if we just keep his ass inside, we can just keep him, <laughs> keep him here. That will be good for him and us. I was like, thank you. So we got PSO version 2. And I jump online, and everyone had gold names. And I was like, oh, I have a gold name now. Because I guess the difference between mm-hmm. both versions was if you were on version one, your name in the lobby was white, like text above your name. And then mm-hmm. gold if you were on version two. So it was like the fancy club. 
And Ooh. so I jump into, um, the, I go to the little party counter in the lobby where you basically set up online groups and parties to set up. And I saw there was an ultimate difficulty. And I was like, what? What, what, what is that? Me being like level 70 or so, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I've beat very hard. I'll do it. And I jump into ultimate mode. And everything seemed the same. I was like, okay, Pioneer 2, everything looks all right. And then I jump into forest. And the you know the loading screen happens. I go into the forest, and forest was now forest with a sunset, and I was like, "What? What is this?" And then I go to the room, first room of like where Boomas, which are like these big, stupid mole bear yeah. monsters in PSO. Um, very hard to describe them. They're very weird. Um, Google them if you want to yeah. take a look at them. Um, yeah, and so all the boomers are now these giant turtles. And I'm like freaking out. I'm like, what is going on? This is insane. And then I got one-shotted. And then all of my weapons are doing zero damage. And I got frustrated because I couldn't even kill a single enemy in ultimate mode. So I, messaged a, I sent a message to one of my old friends. I was like, I can't play. And they're like, oh, you try an ultimate? And I'm like, yeah. They're like, Oh yeah, you have to have like eleven star rarity weapons to even do damage to these monsters, and also you need to be at least a level hundred and twenty. And I was that. so sad, so I had to go back and grind very hard, level mm-hmm. up more, finally get better weapons, and then I finally played ultimate, and it was brutal and it was very fun. And I will say, for those who have played PSO, may know. And those who have not played PSO will want to know is you have never truly lived if you've never ran an ultimate ruins run in PSO because, oh my God, <laughs> it is nothing. It's just, it is one of the most chaotic things you could ever do in an online RPG. It's nothing but just AOE blasts and just demons Ugh. just jumping around, one-shotting everybody. It's so much fun. You could spend hours just dying over and over again, just mm-hmm. laughing at how ridiculous it could get. But, oh, it's so fun. But then um, I uh, went on Google one day, and I was looking at PSO because I was yeah. and still a, a fanboy, trying to find, like, you know, what was it PSO World, this old community site that is still mm-hmm. up and running. Um, going to the message boards and just looking at people's photos of rare weapons and all that kind of stuff and trying to figure out where the next best weapon to find is. Um, I saw a post on there back in, uh, I believe it was early 2001, for the PSO Episodes 1 and 2 GameCube Alpha Test Screenshots. Ooh. I was and- actually just going to ask you, what? Uh, when did you make the transition from Dreamcast over to GameCube? So... Um, I will get to that in one moment, but <laughs> oh, I have a story for that. It's, it's so it's so ridiculous, but um, yeah. So I saw PSO the words PSO episodes one and two, and I was like freaking out, hyperventilating, mm-hmm. yelling to my brother, "They're making a PSO two! It wasn't PSO two, but it kind of was back then. Mm-hmm. And I saw all these screenshots of the new classes. It was like the Fomar, which is a force male which which sounds a human male which sounds really yeah. dumb saying out loud but that was a big thing back then and force was like um like a magic the class. wizard yeah, yeah. The magic class. space wizards 
And then there was uh, a Hugh Cassiel, which was a android hunter woman who looked like a ninja, which was so badass. And then the uh, the the Rub Marl, which was a ranger human female, which had this cool beret on her head, and like this looked like this cool like military gunner. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Yep, I'm freaking out." And then I saw these screenshots of like this beautiful tropical beach with like water that looked like it was from Mario Sunshine because it had that awesome GameCube water shader that they used back then. Oh, yeah. I wish more games used this day. It's such a shame. I still I still stand by small tangent. Super Mario Sunshine has the best water in games. Don't at me. <laughs> it does look damn good. It's like, so even good. By today's standards. It's so good. And the GameCube version of PSO had that same water, and I was, like, freaking out. I was like, oh, my God, it's a tropical island. And so um, I also noticed in all these screenshots that it was from a Japanese alpha test, but everything was in English. All the menus, everything was in English. And I was like, I have to play this. Like, I have to play this. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, when was the release date for that in Japan? It was September. The it was GameCube was September twelfth, two thousand two. That's right. And I remember it was like August or something. I was like pleading my parents to just let me get this on the Japanese imported version of PSO for GameCube because it had full translations for every language supported, mm-hmm. which is there. So all you had to do was basically boot up your GameCube with the game in and just go to the options and change it to English mode and then you can play. And I had to go on like PlayAsia.com, I think it was, and like convince my mom. I was like, look, it's only $40. Let me have this game. I'm begging you, please. And so my mom was like, hmm, well, if we keep his ass inside, we can, you know, <laughs> make sure he's a good mm-hmm. kid. All right. You can get PSO, but... If it doesn't work, that's not our fault. Like, whatever. I was like, okay, whatever. And then uh, after we ordered the game, I didn't understand what region locking was. Oh. And so. The dark times. Right. So the game was like on its way. And I go on PSO World and people are like, my GameCube doesn't register this game. And my heart sank. I was like, oh, no. But then this is where one of the one of the craziest I guess one of the craziest gaming experiences I've ever had mm-hmm. was um someone on PSO World's message boards made a step by step guide with pictures on how to basically mod your GameCube to basically unlock region locking on it. And so I had to like convince my dad to try this with me. The real heroes, right? So we had to, yeah. So we had to like go to like Radio Shack and get like this like two way switch, these certain wires, and on the GameCube, there it's the screws that are underneath the console itself are mm-hmm. specifically made so that no average screwdriver can open it, and you basically have to send it to Nintendo for repairs. And this guide was like, no, 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 we're gonna open it my way, and the way was taking. Big ballpoint pens, taking out the ink, leaving only the plastic shell, holding it over a match to melt, make it super soft and almost melt, 
and then quickly jam it into the screwdriver slot, whatever, and hold it there for like three minutes or so till it hardens. And it worked. <laughs> and it worked. And we unscrewed the GameCube, and it was like this weird sandwich of like an optical drive and just wires and motherboards and mm-hmm. stuff. And this guy was like, okay, you have to take off this part right here, take off this part right here. It, this whole process took us like four hours straight. We were like, one in the morning is when we finally finished. And we basically had to put these two little wires to like this little motherboard. And that was it. And just solder them into this little two-way switch. You had to take the GameCube and put it all the way back together. Screw it back up like a perfect little sandwich. Mm-hmm. And turn on the GameCube. And it wouldn't boot up. Ugh. And then turn it off, turn it back on, and it wouldn't boot up. And my dad just, like, could see how, like, he just, like, see my stomach just, like, dying on mm-hmm. the inside. Being like, oh, no, all that for nothing. Until I just kind of, like, smacked the GameCube on the back, kind of, like, patted it on the back, whatever. And then I turned it back on, and it booted up in Japanese. And I was like... Oh my gosh. And then PSO just started loading instead of like now loading little PSO symbol, the three little dots spinning, mm-hmm. whatever. And I was like, oh my God, it's working, it's working, it's working. And then the game booted up and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm playing PSO that before anyone else that I know, what is this? What is going on? What is my life? I'm gonna, it was my life. And then I remember going down to the options, switching to English, the full game, everything was completely translated 100% English. And I jump into offline mode because we didn't have the broadband adapter right away mm-hmm. back then. Um, so I jump in offline mode. I grind a little bit of um, episode two for the first time, just seeing this all new PSO adventure with an all new city hub, all new story, everything. And then um, we finally got the broadband adapter to play online. And I jump online and I go to the lobby. And it's this all-new lobby. It was this huge open lobby that was super green. A lot of players mm-hmm. running around. But I noticed the music was different. And it was all Halloween-themed. And I was like, what is this? And this is the first <laughs> time I've ever seen an online game do, like, holidays. Mm-hmm. And that was really cool to me. I was like, wow, this is, like, a real thing. Like, these are real. this is a real holiday happening in PSO. And then there was, like, Halloween rag rappies, which... Um, I guess we, if we want to jump into Monster of the Week or anything, but... Um, the little bird. We'll, we'll talk a bit more about these cute little critters uh, at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, this cute little critter named a Rag Rappy, and they were kind of like the PSO mascot for mm-hmm. whatever reasons. They were just adorable. And there's little, like, Halloween versions, and I thought it was really cool just to see that happening in an online game back then, because I've never seen it before. And... Um, yeah, and then I was playing PSO episode one and two with other importers that I met through various message boards and stuff, and we became friends. And you know, a lot of ups and downs with my old crew, but there is one particular friend that I am still friends with to this day that we talk all the time still. And I think that's just really cool how you know a game that you think is so you know so simple back mm-hmm. then, just this little online RPG, can mean so much to folks like myself yeah. to this day still. You know. But, um, yeah, I think PSO Episodes 1 and 2 on GameCube is absolutely my favorite version of this game. Uh, mostly because of Episode 2 and just, like I mentioned before, just the visuals, mm-hmm. the tropical island setting on Galdaval Island, the mystery story of Heathcliff Flowen, how he was presumably dead during the Pioneer 1 incident, 
and was sending messages from the grave. And you're like, what is going on? And then plot twist, you find out that he's actually basically a bioweapon that was created to basically try to... It was... Ugh, I don't want to get into too much spoilers if the folks haven't played, but... Oh, it was just... It was so dark, you know? Like, you, would, mm-hmm. you wouldn't think this game would be so dark, but the plot for PSO is so dark. And it's one of those games that, again... Give a brief rundown of the, uh, the story, because I don't remember it too much, but give listeners who haven't played... I always... Playing myself... Uh, way back in the day, I to me it didn't seem like there was a lot of story. Like it was more mm-hmm. about just going out and doing stuff. But apparently, it sounds like there's a lot more story I wasn't aware of. So, if you want, give a brief rundown of kind of the story here in Fantasy Star Online because I would love to hear it. All right. So with um, PSO Episode One, the story is um, there was a planet called Coral, I believe, and it was under a lot of war. And a lot of people were abandoning the planet because it was basically uninhabitable due to so many wars and chaos happening there. And so the people jump in these giant starships called the Pioneers, I believe there were, to try to find new planets to basically live on, new habitable worlds. And there was a starship called Pioneer One that made contact with this lush green planet called Regal. And... They land on the planet. They notice that there's actual life. There's wildlife. It's a thriving planet. There's no human robot civilization or nothing. They can start fresh on this brand new planet. And seven years pass. They colonize the planet. They create these, you know, research centers. Basically, they basically just create the planet for themselves. They're living basically in paradise. And then uh, Pioneer 2, the second starship, is on its way to land on Pioneer 2, um, sorry, on Regal, until they get into orbit of the planet, and, and then this huge, mysterious blue explosion erupts and basically wipes out all human and robot life on the planet. All, com- all communications completely severed. And so Pioneer 2 is like, what just happened? The and so, fuck? The fuck? And so your character is a hunter, which are basically like freelancer mercenaries who get hired by the pioneer tier government to go onto the surface of the planet and investigate what the hell happened and where did all the people go. And in doing so, they've realized that all the wildlife on the planet is has become super hostile. And the, I was just say, without spoiling too much, the, the more you progress, the deeper you go into the planet, literally... And then the deeper you realized the explosion was something that was partially man-made and also something that might transcend transcend beyond mortal life. <laughs> That's then, deep, dude. I know. And then there That's was um, one particular character from Pioneer 1 that seems to have survived the explosion who is Rico Terrell, who goes by the codename or nickname Red Ring Rico because she had this cool little like ring bracelet that she wore on her arm that everyone knew her for because she was like one of the most popular hunters back on Pioneer 1, who was the apprentice of Heathcliff Flowen from Episode 2 story, who was like her mentor who taught her to become a you know great hunter. But Rico Terrell, her father, is like 
the principal of Pioneer 2. He's like the lead governing the captain, guy. yeah. Right. So it's also a personal story for him, for you to go investigate the planet, but the you know, to not tell the people of the world or on the starship that his daughter might be alive still and he wants you to go find her. And so throughout the story, you find these little like, um, they're like these little audio logs. Well, not really audio because back then there was only text chat, but there were like these little logs that you could find that Rico dropped of her kind of like her research of what happened with the planet. And she kind of gives some background details of each area that you're in what's kind of going on and then there's like a moment that I'll like I'll never forget that should I spoil it or should I not spoil it yeah it's been out long enough it's been out long enough yeah so basically the deeper you get into the planet of Regal you basically stumble across these ancient ruins underneath the like underneath the surface of the world these ancient ruins but they're like sci-fi ruins and so Rico is like we don't know what's beyond this door there's these three seals that have to be unlocked, but we have unlocked them. We don't know what's in here, basically. And then you go into this doorway, and you go to the ancient ruins, and it's just a living hell inside. Until there's a certain moment where you find this log from Rico that's like, We're doomed. We were all wrong. This planet is cursed. This The, the explosion was caused by an ancient entity that they're calling Dark Falls which is a recurring god from all the previous mm-hmm. Fantasy Star RPGs on Genesis and Master System, like the final boss of those games. Um, he basically is like the ultimate evil of the universe. He resurrects kind of like Ganon from uh, Legend of Zelda. But basically, he's sealed in these ancient ruins on this planet Regal. But the big twist is the ancient ruins are not actually ruins. They themselves are are an ancient starship. <laughs> so, yeah, and then folks put it together, and it turns out the ruins from PSO are one of the world ships from Fantasy Star 3 on Master System. Because the ending of one of those games, because mm-hmm. uh, I, I believe one of the endings of that game is they basically seal Dark Falls on one of the ships and basically cast it out to orbit on some like remote planet. And that's the same ship from the old Fantasy Star 3 and PSO, which I thought was super freaking so awesome. Good. I know. Uh, so that's just so cool to tie that all together. It's been like possibly like a millennia or hundreds of thousands of years since that incident from Fantasy Star 3. But yeah, I thought that was really cool that they did that. That they tied that all together. Right, because like that final boss room is like you basically, you're just like, hellish ruins that looks like silent hill in the final area it's like breathing walls made of a flesh mm-hmm. and everything there's this huge brain and everything like that and you're like the final boss teleporter everyone's like oh god the final boss what could it be oh god and you port in and it's this beautiful lush garden with like a graveyard and like this huge obelisk just just there and just beautiful piano music is playing and i remember like being like what the fuck is this and then like just hearing this beautiful piano music playing with these birds chirping but then like later on as the song starts playing you realize that like the birds chirping in the audio is a loop and it starts to kind of glitch out and stuff to kind of like kind of tell the player like this isn't real mm-hmm. 
And then, like, once you go to the obelisk, the whole world just basically just turns inverted and turns into hell. And then the final battle begins. But the whole visual look of that area of the lush garden and everything mm-hmm. is part of what made the world ships in Fantasy Star 3 what they were. Because back then, with that game, the big twist was, oh, it was like a medieval RPG called Fantasy Star 3. That makes no sense. But you find out, oh... We're on a starship ourselves called a world ship that's simulating life itself on this ship. So it's basically over time has become medieval throughout history, but mm-hmm. it's on board this huge ship. And so that's what this this area is in PSO. It's like a bubble or whatever of like one of the world ships where life has been preserved. I don't know. It's super meta. It's super crazy. It's and I love so it good. so much. Just, just that was, I'm sorry game. that wasn't brief. That was a long tangent no. about the plot, but... It was yeah. a good one. I enjoyed it. Yeah, there's a lot of side quests and stories that have kind of, you know, built up the mystery and stuff, too. Mm-hmm. But then um, episode two happened, and that story was not as insane and plot twisty as episode one's, but it was still so good because it was kind of this murder mystery of, like, this guy named Heathcliff Flowen who was dead since Pioneer 1, who's sending messages to Pioneer 2 to save him, and everyone's like, what is going on? And so, like, this could be a trap. We have to send your character. We have to send you to VR training. And you have to go to, like, VR tests to basically become more powerful. And then they send you to this island, this tropical island resort, which I thought was really cool back then for PSO, that there was, like, the central mm-hmm. hub area that oh, was, yeah. like, super foggy. And then you basically had to, like, unlock this huge gate by going through three different subzones. There was, mm-hmm. like, a jungle area, which was gorgeous. The beach, which was even more gorgeous. Then the mountain area, which was all right. (laughs) (laughs) You basically had to go through and kill these mini bosses to unlock these super, this fortified gate that basically takes you this huge, like, it was a super dark, foggy dam. Mm -hmm. And you basically have to, like, fight this huge griffin, which, spoilers, you find out that that griffin threw out, you know, certain text that, that that's actually a modified dragon from PSO episode one. Using uh, some of the D, like some of the data that sells from the Dayroli boss from the caves area, it's all connected. It's so weird. It's so crazy. Yeah, and then you basically so get good. yeah, then you get sent to this um, one of my favorite areas in PSO, which is the Seabed Labs, which is this undersea, under the ocean scientific lab full of a bunch of horrific abominations, and then you fight my favorite boss, one of my favorite bosses in games. Olga Flow, which was horrifying the first time I ever approached him because it was the first time I ever heard a voice in PSO. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's just speaking this insane mumbo-jumbo, just crazy. I don't even know what he's saying, but my friends and I were very determined, and this is a small story that I have about this. Um, we were so determined to figure out and translate what the boss is saying, his voice. Mm-hmm. And so I basically recorded the audio... And open up an audacity years ago and i put it through so many different pitch shifters and echo removers and all these different things and slowed it down and we we actually figured out what his main quote is and we posted it on pso world and it blew up and it's like a thing it's just, it's just like, it's like it's like a thing now like people just people just associate this boss with that quote that i discovered and it's insane because um, one of Sega's community managers, Ruby Eclipse, uh, 
actually tweeted at me about it once because oh really yeah because of what is it uh a friend of mine james milky he used to be editor-in-chief of one up an egm um he actually got to interview i think his satoshi sakai the lead producer of pso2 who worked on pso1 and he was taking questions on pso about pso a few like last year or so and so i just tweeted at him i was just like Hey, can you ask them what Ogoflow is actually saying? Because I've been dying to know for so long. And then Ruby Eclipse tweeted at us, and uh, let me let me find that tweet. I'm gonna read it real quick because it yeah. was like, it was super surreal. It was just like, what, what is this? <laughs> I think this is it. I found it. Yeah, so I said, this one might be impossible, but I'm curious. What does Ogilflow actually say when you come face-to-face -face with him in the finale of Episode 2? And Aaron Webler, Weber, who's Ruby Eclipse, he says, This would be really cool to know for sure. I remember entire threads where people tried to figure this out. The closest agreeable line we got was, quote, You killed my goddess from the intro of the fight. And I was like... Yeah, I was the one of the first to figure that out back on PSO World by taking the audio file, slowing it down, and applying tons of filters on top. I had a friend who went by Forever Zero, who was the one who, again, I mentioned earlier, who got 200 mm -hmm. and wiped and had to redo it all over again. She was the one who made the post because I was too shy back then to do it myself. And he was like, it was you. This is so surreal. I remember that thread from over 10 years ago. I used to hang out in PSO World all the time. Nice work. And I was like, ah! oh, my God. Yeah, and so it also made sense because you killed my goddess. Episode one, plot twist, spoilers, you find out that Dark Falls possesses Rico Tyrell, Red Ring Rico. Mm -hmm. And Olga Flo, the boss, is flowing, who was, he basically was injured by fighting Dark Falls, and so his infection spread, and so the government basically turned him to a freaking like kaiju bioweapon. <laughs> that sounds like a lot, but that's literally what happens. And so he's like connected to Dark Falls, who's basically taken on like Rico's appearance and form. So it's very a womanly boss in the way that it's kind of manifested this mm -hmm. kind of like Diablo 3 in a way, where Diablo kind of takes yeah. on that whole presence. It's that whole thing. And episode three also, um, the card game also kind of backs it up a little bit too but that's a whole nother conversation but yeah it's super crazy that's but so cool yeah all that work he did way back when being still being remembered and mm -hmm. how cool that's that was literally me in my parents basement figuring that out with my friends <laughs> on like msn messenger back then good time super surreal but yeah but oh sorry go ahead oh no, go ahead no, you first. Oh, I was gonna say. And then there's um there was episode three that happened, which um I will say it's a fun game and it might actually have the best soundtrack out of any PSO game. <laughs> Ooh. Like, yeah, PSO episode three. I wish it was a straight up PSO episode, but for what it was, it was really fun. I actually really liked it. What a big departure that was, it was going to a card battler. I know. And it was cool too, because like even in that game, it was interesting to see because it was like it took place twenty one years after episode two, so it was mm -hmm. there was like a time jump in the story, and it was like oh well, Pioneer two is still up in orbit, but there was like this terrorist group called Arcs that actually have they made I guess home on Regal, 
So it was like this government versus terrorist story with like cards mm-hmm. and shit. <laughs> and then you find out later on, it's like, oh, well, the plot twist is the government was bad and the Arcs are actually rebels who were actually trying to basically free the planet from more Dark Falls stuff because the card technology was also created from Dark Falls' DNA. Plot twist. Weird. Yeah, so yeah, basically. Never played the, the third episode three. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's a weird game, but it's surprisingly really fun. Like it the systems are really good. I really liked it. And then awesome. episode four happened on PC and and it was alright. <laughs> it was alright. Yeah. and I aren't the only ones that are big fans of this game. So, here we go around the web. First up, we have Matt GSK from Reddit. Their memory is, I was first introduced to this game by my older brother, and it was when he moved back home. I was a young teen, and we almost had, and we had almost nothing in common. PSO parties with his friends via split screen on his tiny TV was my family bonding, as I also got to know him and his friends that would come over to game and made us realize that we actually had a lot of shared interests. We later set up a hardware network, hardwire network through their house for the sole purpose of being able to play PSO online in his room. When I go to my parents' house, there's still the Cat5 cable stapled to the walls that ran under the old trip. Oh yeah, we did the exact same thing in my yeah. house. Our house in, uh, especially in our house in Utah, it was like, four different floors in a way where it was like a medium, like a ground floor then like an upper mm. kitchen floor then like an upstairs floor then the basement floor and our modem was all the way upstairs on the top floor but the GameCube and everything were in the basement so we had to run the cables throughout the entire house and like you said before we're of an age where we had to live with this stuff back then and a lot of people nowadays land parties were a big deal right like, yeah so we actually your had friends to, like, come over for the weekend stay the night uh-huh. eat crazy amounts of junk food and pizza it's like little caesars and mountain pop, dew and then you just <laughs> play games all together into the wee hours or like all night oh that, yeah and some of the best memories oh definitely halo one on xbox mm-hmm. so fun but like yeah like, it's like you know, you said you're like you're 31. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I just turned 30 back in December. So yeah, like back then it was it was only like 10 years ago. Not maybe not 10 years ago exact, but maybe 12 years ago. Like we actually had to run wires across an entire house and staple it to the ceilings and walls just to get it to certain rooms because we didn't really have on like Wi-Fi back then. Mm-hmm. It's insane how much has changed so much. But yeah, like I I feel that I I. You still see that cable, my dad drilling holes in the walls and stuff just to get, just to be able to play games. Just, damn. Yeah, I re- <laughs> And that's one thing I'll, I'll miss, um, going off on a slight tangent, for as convenient and nice as wireless and, like, online gaming is, some days I just miss, like, sitting on a couch with my friends playing a game. Oh, me too. I miss it. And this is one of those games that I will always have such a strong connection to the the local multiplayer aspect. Mm-hmm. Not like I remember having a lot of fun with playing it offline by myself, but playing together those summers on the GameCube with my friends 
Like, that's what I hold dearest with this game, and so many others, like the Halo we mentioned, mm -hmm. Halo 2, and all those games pre-online multiplayer everything. Right. It, it leaves me nostalgic and missing that experience that I... Newer gamers, younger gamers being introduced to the to the hobby, you just don't have anymore, and it and it hurts. Right, it and makes me sad. I know, and it's like one thing. It's another small tangent that's also related to that as well is that, especially with PSO and even like I would say even Halo One as well, is that you know these games feel super nostalgic to me is mostly because of their like their art styles. Mm -hmm. And at the color palettes that they use, they're very colorful, very vibrant games. And specifically with PSO, it had this like, uh, it just has this '90s anime charm to it. Oh yeah, reminds me of like you know Cowboy Bebop, Trigun, like all those old classics. Outlaw Star specifically, those old anime styles. And shout just, out to Outlaw Star. Uh, shout out to Probably. Outlaw Star though. <laughs> but yeah, it just reminds me of those old anime games and. It was just super colorful, and it just felt so Sega, you know? Mm -hmm. It just felt so Sega, and it's like my childhood, you know? And that's what I love so much about PSO, that as dark as the story and everything is, it's just so full of heart, and just so colorful, and so friendly looking, and also just very creepy in some parts too, but it's a very nice balance of everything that I love in a game, I guess, just to say. And I am glad that PSO 2, retained a lot of that same aesthetic to it mm -hmm. so i'm very excited for more people to be able to play that next year when it comes out because i think a lot of folks are going to have a lot of fun with it because oh boy i've been playing that on and off for a couple of years and it's pretty good i just i've been so afraid to progress in that game since mm -hmm. it's the japanese version that yeah waiting for the u.s version to finally get announced this e3 I didn't want to get too far because I didn't want to redo everything over again. Yeah. So I've kind of been playing that on and off as a tourist, just checking out things, mm -hmm. and it's really good. You guys are going to like it a lot. Hey, hey, Eric, when Fantasy Star Online 2 comes out, want to wanna pull a late-night Fantasy Star 2 stream to play, play Oh, together? absolutely. I'm probably going to ask to take that day off from work whenever that comes out. It's just I have to. I got to be one of the first. I got to be. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I got to be one of the first. Yeah. I've been waiting so long, even though I can play it, but it's it's different. It's not the same. It's not the same because I don't have any friends on the Japanese version. So mm -hmm. there's that. And it'd be cool to actually have like players and friends to actually talk to and hang out with and oh, yeah. get like a, a crew guild a guild mm -hmm. room and decorate it and stuff. There's a lot of that in this game. A lot of more MMO qualities to it. And one of the greatest perks of it is randomly generated fields. Ooh. Yeah, so every time you play, it's randomly generated. Nothing is the same besides That's bosses cool. and kind of objectives and bosses. Mm -hmm. And like bosses can, like random bosses can just invade your game at any time and just create chaos. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's that it's, super it's cool. really, really cool. Like you can have like a dragon invade and then like Odin from Final Fantasy XIV will just show up because they had a crossover event with that game. They did. Yeah, so like there's a time when, um, do you know who um, Grindcraft is? He's a DJ no. in the gaming industry. He's a he's a DJ. He's a buddy of mine. And there's one night that he jumped on PSO2, and we were playing with each other, and we were doing a uh, one of the areas that was a tundra, and we're running around the tundra map. And then um, 
I believe it was like one of the dragon bosses showed up in our game. And then Odin from Final Fantasy XIV showed up and both bosses were fighting each other and we just just took a step back and we're just watching. It was a kaiju fight. That's so cool. And yeah, these bosses are just duking it out and just fighting each other. Then we jump in and just try to kill them both and then like all these other enemies would start spawning and there was only two of us. But the cool thing with that is that in certain areas they're called multi-party zones. Mm-hmm. And you can be in a group of up to, I think it was four or five players. Or sorry, I think it's be up to six players in PSO2. But if you join a multi-party area that can randomly just happen in your adventure, multiple mm-hmm. parties can show up so you can actually go up to, I think, 18 players. Oh, wow. Yeah, so everyone's just That's running cool. around and just mindlessly grinding monsters and all these events are happening because there's like random events that will happen. Like mm-hmm. escort missions will just pop up and stuff. It's really, really fluid and just really cool. Sorry for going off track. I just love being. Oh, you're good. <laughs> you're good. That's why. That's why you're here. That's it, why this, I'm here. That's that is the purpose of this. This is the purpose of RPG University. It's so we can reminisce and just gush oh. and relive our favorite memories and just oh. get people to want to play these games and enjoy it. I appreciate it. Oh, it's so good. Do you want to read the next one from Reddit? Yes, and I am so bad with pronouncing this particular name because I never know how to pronounce this guy's name from I would Earthbound. say Gygus. Gygus, okay. Gygus97 from Reddit says, During summer break one school year, a friend and I tried to beat Hard Mode Ruins. Oh, I know that feeling. We've never played the game single player, so we had to play Forest every time we started a session. Oh, no. I'm just adding my own things in here. Sorry. After a week of leaving the GameCube on all night and day, we cleared forest, caves, mines, and eventually we got to Ruins 3. Then one night, my youngest brother turned off the GameCube in one day, and we lost all of our progress. It was gut-wrenching then, but great memories, the grind. Yup. Yeah. Yeah, if you didn't play single-player mode in PSO, you didn't get to save your progress in terms of unlocking new areas. Which was kind of a weird system. Yeah, that is weird. You'd like go offline, play through the offline mode to unlock the areas, then go on online so when you were the party host, you have access to those levels. A little weird, but if you play it online without doing that stuff, you just unlock them by beating each boss and then it just resets every time. But on split screen multiplayer mode, it worked as if it was an online version, so it didn't save your progress. So that's just not great game design, I'll say. Yeah. Not great. And I have a very similar story to that as well. Um, when I got version- ripped the little brother, I just have to say. I know I'm, that little brother. Oof. Oof. Having just been on oof. the receiving end of an older brother's wrath for overwriting a save or deleting a save, I can. Oh yeah. I understand what. Oh yeah. Because that's another thing with PSO, which wasn't great game design as well, is that there was no auto save. Like, if you were, like, online and got mm-hmm. disconnected, it just wouldn't save <laughs> back then. At least on, I, I think it was on, at least on Dreamcast, it was that way. It might have been fixed on GameCube. But, um, yeah, I remember the same thing happened with me, sort of, in version 2. Um, I remember jumping online and playing Ultimate Forest and couldn't kill a single enemy. And so I jumped on offline mode because on offline mode, it was a little bit easier because they didn't compensate for the fact that you needed four other players. Mm-hmm. And so I made progress in Ultimate Forest, but it also took me four hours straight to get to Forest 2 because of my Humar, I basically spammed the spell Megid, which has a chance 
to one-shot enemies. A very low chance. I spent four hours spamming Megid at random enemies to one-shot them <laughs> just to get to fours too. And my parents were like, we're going out for pizza. And I was like, uh, I have to leave the game on or otherwise I'm going to lose all this progress. So on my Dreamcast controller, I got a rubber band and put it around the joystick. Oh, the rubber band trick. Yep, so I was just yes. running in circles in, a, in an empty room so I didn't get disconnected. <laughs> And then I came back and I never beat the boss. I got to the, I got to the the, the ice dragon boss and mm -hmm. I was like, cool, I got to see it at least. It was like seven hours of playing. It was worth it. But um, shout out to good memories. Shout out to good memories. Um, yeah, that's it for that quote. Asuko third uh, Asuko underscore X I I I or Asuko thirteen if you wish. My first time playing PSO was at a friend's house, the one and two combo pack on GameCube. I remember making a faux new oral, the only force of our four-man crew, my friend who was most familiar with the game warning me that forces are the toughest for beginners. A little bit of the way through force though, and he was really impressed with how I handled myself and said I was really good, said I was a really good force. <laughs> Even though it was early in the game and my first time playing it, I'll never forget the fun I had that night. And then my birthday sleepover a few weeks later, playing it again. Aww. Yeah. And that's what we were talking about, those sleepovers yep. with the games with your friends. So, funny story, back then, I actually didn't really have a whole lot of friends in real life. So my closest mm -hmm. friends were on PSO. And so we would actually do online sleepovers. Like, we would just, like, mm -hmm. hang out all night, chatting in the lobby or private groups, and just... You know, just being goofballs, just having fun. Yeah. And then, like, sometimes we would just, like, go to bed and leave the game on. Mm -hmm. And then the game would automatically disconnect, like, you know, while we're sleeping. But yeah. it was kind of that like, moment. It was like, we're kind of just having our own little sleepover, but online. Yeah. yeah. See, games are cool. Games I mean, are cool. Are... Games, I think online games like this were much more innocent back in this day oh, than, they, than they are now. 100%. But get your, have yourself a group of friends, be it locally or digitally, to play games with, and there are few better experiences to be had with this hobby. Mm -hmm. I, I, no doubt. Yep. My, my, no. I just love, like, I don't know what it is, but for some reason, because this is going to sound like absolute mm -hmm. trash, but like... For me back then, and even I guess still to this day, like my PSO comfort session is like PSO with like Little Caesars hot and ready pizza mm -hmm. and like a large like like, or like a Dr Pepper, mm -hmm. and just playing PSO and just snacking on pizza. It's just like it takes me back. <laughs> yeah, love it. Oh, I'm right there with you. I mean, you can't go wrong with the hot and ready. It's only five bucks. You get what you pay for it. It's not get bad. Get the deep it's dish and it's like six bucks. Right? An Italian crazy, crazy bread? Or an Italian mm. cheese oh, bread? Oh, my girlfriend loves Little Caesars oh. crazy bread. Like, her crazy she's bread obsessed is legit. with those breadsticks. They're so legit. Like, I actually, like, <laughs> actually oh. love them. <laughs> They're so good. I might have to yeah. get some tonight. Yeah. I, I you should... Eric, you should have a, a PSO night. You should get yourself some Dr. Pepper, a Little Caesars hot and ready with some breadsticks, and boot up Blue Burst or whatever on PC. Oh, my poor guts. <laughs> my poor guts. Man, ever since yeah. I hit 30, life hasn't been fair for my stomach. 
Yeah, getting old kind of sucks like that. I know. Like my favorite, my favorite snack, like milkshakes, just makes my stomach like explode. So I can't even have those anymore. So, ugh, just it just like instantly happened as soon as I hit thirty. I'm like, what? I didn't sign up for this, and my knee hurts. Yep. At least it's basically you turn thirty, and it's instantly you're creepy if you go to clubs, and everything you like now makes you feel sick, and your body just hurts. Except for PSO. Happy birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Yay. All right. Next quote from the clever Sleezoid from Reddit. Not the fondest of memories, but one that has stuck with me for life. Back on the Dreamcast, chilling in one of the lobbies, chatting to people one day when a player joins in and starts yelling that the World Trade Center has been attacked. Being a Brit, it didn't mean a whole lot to me. When I was playing on the US server, the lobby exploded as people began to register what was going on. I switched over to the news channels and there it was, all over the UK news. One of the people I played with worked there and it never came online after that day. I still think about that to this day. Oof. That's yeah. heavy. It is, and a lot of the times I get heavy things and um, like in a an episode that will probably be out by this when this one releases someone mentioned how um the game they talked we were talking about helped them get through a really difficult um family life growing up right. and abuse and things like this and it's important having deep comments like this and memories that tie games to such big events in people's lives it's like we games are so much more than just a a pastime to a lot of people that we really attribute these and have memories associated with very monumentous and tragic and happy and all the whole gamut of emotion emotional spectrum experiences tied to these games and this is this is one that um, really resonated with me absolutely and, yeah and it's yeah yeah I just remember uh Back on GameCube PSO, we were friends with this um, this couple who they were they were super goofy and whatnot. But then like one night, the wife like came on after like the husband like went to bed, and she was like hitting us up. I was only like 16 at the time. My other friend was 17 or 18, and my other friend was like 21 or so. I was fairly new, whatever. And she was like basically hinting at like domestic abuse and stuff. And so we had to, like, counsel her in secret through PSO to, like, you know, get through the bullshit, whatever, and, like, divorce this guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's just like, damn, like, the connections you make with people in games is not just, you know, party mates and whatnot. Like, these are people that have lives and also can affect your life and, mm-hmm. you know, can teach you things and whatnot. It's so, like, back then I was just like, oh, my gosh, I'm only, like, 16. I'm dealing with, like, you know this this is so heavy and also hearing mm-hmm. from like close friends of mine that this is going on and it was like very eye-opening that you know what you play in the game is or what you see in the game is you know it's not just that there's so much more to life than just you know running around trying to find that next rare weapon like there's the real humans that you're playing with mm-hmm. so yeah heavy time and you can develop real relationships and bonds with people mm-hmm. you, through these games and that you can help people through difficult and rough times like this. So. Absolutely. 
So clever Sleezoid, that thank you for sharing your uh, very impactful and in deep memory. We appreciate it. Um, and the last memory we have for this episode is from Ronin Yojimbo from Reddit. I have lots of awesome memories. I remember release day, week, and people were just checking out the gear that everyone had. Rumors of a photon whip, photon whip were rampant, and people were talking about a beam sword like Darth Maul's. People talking about their mags and what theirs did. I remember the first time getting to the end of the ruins and the picture was so dramatically different than what I, I just logged through. The first time I got to see the end sequence of a multiplayer session with all of us shown, I felt like a real I it felt like a real team accomplishment. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I remember all the photon whip rumors too. I remember all of that. And then they actually added it in Fantasy Star Universe. Mm-hmm. Yep. I was like, what they did it! <laughs> and then there yeah. was the um, the Darth Maul sword that actually was a real weapon. It was a um, double bladed double saber that was red, but it was weird because it was gender locked. For males only. Weird. Very weird. Yeah, this is weird. PSO had a lot of like gender locked rare weapons. It was mm. strange, but hackers got around that stuff, but <laughs> God bless. But yeah, I like you were really saying, cool, uh... people just going on these like PSO worlds and websites like that, just sharing pictures of their gear, their mags, and especially because they had come out so much earlier in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing everything. Yeah. There was, a, I remember. there was a, I don't know if this is a small tangent or not, but it's related to that in a way where um, back in GameCube PSO, I had a friend who was friends with another friend who was friends with one of the most notorious PSO hackers back then, mm-hmm. back on Dreamcast and whatever. And their username, I believe, was called Barubari or something. Mm-hmm. And there was a rumor that the boss in PSO Episode 2's VR Temple named Barba Ray was a direct reference to this hacker. Because <laughs> it was like this, like, it was like this tentacly sort of like weird mm-hmm. crayfish demon thing, whatever. But, um, what was it? This person, Barbary, on PSO World Forum was like, oh, there's a secret level in PSO Episode 2. And I've been there. And they sent like they sent like one picture. They posted one picture of it. Everyone's mm-hmm. like, "What? What is this place? What is this?" And I had a friend named Brian who was had connections and actually got into one of the Barbary's parties and got to go into this new level that was not previously you, know, you couldn't get there. Mm-hmm. It was this unreleased area of PSO. And he, t- he was like in the lobby telling me about it, but was being very sneaky and sly with his words to try not to get banned by Sega. But he's like, oh yeah, I've been, we've been, we, just, we just got back from there. And I was like, well, you have to tell me about it. He's like, I, I really can't. You have to wait and see for yourself. And I was like, I, just tell me about it. And he was like, I want to tell you one word, and that's all I'm going to say. I'm like, tell me what it is. <laughs> and he's like, sick fish. I'm like sick fish. He's like, you'll understand. I'm like, that makes no sense. They're just like giant fish. He's like, no, you'll understand. I was like, okay. Fast forward a couple of months, and then PSO releases a online quest called, I believe it was called Seat of the Heart, and it was a quest line that took you into a brand new area in PSO 
do you remember in episode two, the central control area, how they had those two towers? Yeah. So it was inside those towers. Oh, okay. You basically go inside these towers, and they believe there's 12 different floors, and each area was like kind of like a, a half circle, which had all new enemies and all new mini bosses, including Dell Lilies. I remember it was like those like those po- poison spitting mm-hmm. awful plants. There was like yeah demon corrupted version of those that spit maggot out, which one shots you. <laughs> Dang. Yeah, and then there was like the um, all the episode two mini bosses were just random enemies in there. Like it was like so brutal but then near the final floor there was a brand new enemy that my friend referred to as sick fish which were called ill gills get it mm-hmm. <laughs> and they were like these scythe wielding robots that were so badass they were so cool i'll have to send you a picture later or you can google it but i think i remember them yeah, they were oh, they were so cool. And his awesome scythe set. Unfortunately, you couldn't even get as a weapon. But yeah, I thought that was really cool that you know they post these photos on PSO World, this unreleased area. Everyone was super curious about it, and then like it actually happened. And again, the power of people, and also the power of hackers. Yeah, making the world a better place for PSO people. Like unreleased items that we could never get legitimately because Sega forgot drop rates. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Ogaflow sword. The dark flow. But, um, yeah. Also, um, so I'm just going off right now. No, <laughs> just, well, you're, good. you're good. You're <laughs> good. Um, do you ever hear about the, uh, the secrets, uh, flowing and Red Ring Rico appearances you can unlock? No. So, um, someone figured this out back on GameCube because it was the only version that could actually happen in with because of episode two's release but um apparently in pso episode one if you kill the final boss dark falls on very hard and ultimate mode only i believe with one of red ring rico's red series weapons that you can get as rare drops Mm -hmm. um if you kill oh sorry no if you kill dark falls with one of flowin's Darkfall, sorry, Olga Flow corrupted weapons that were actually unattainable because of no, there's no drop rate, so hackers kind of just made the weapons and spread mm-hmm. them up to people. If you kill Darkfalls with one of those weapons and then you port out and you teleport back into the boss room, you can find Red Ring Rico's spirit sitting on the giant monolith grave, and there's this beautiful piano music that plays. Oh, wow. And if you get close to her, she, like, waves at you and disappears with this, like, red light. Mm-hmm. And then the other version is if you kill Olga Flo with one of the red Rico weapons and go back, you can find Floen standing in the center area that's flooded in the boss room, holding the giant sword that falls at the end of the boss fight. He's just sitting there holding it, whatever. And if you get near him, he, like, waves and says, you know, just to a bunch of sparkles. And there's this... this gorgeous beautiful music that plays called leave and flow it's on youtube it's absolutely gorgeous it's like this beautiful like violin piano somber song that's like very sad sounding but like has this like hints of hope near the end that makes me all (laughs) makes me all flipped inside but um oh it gets you in the feels gets me in the feels it's so powerful song and i used to have that on an old walkman cd of mine back in 2003 or so 
mm-hmm. and some stupid school bully of mine in the lunchroom stole my Walkman, and that song was like the first one on there. And after like a couple of minutes passed, he like hands me back my Walkman. He's like, "Dude, that's weird." <laughs> I was like, "Thanks, I guess." <laughs> yeah. So. So it got. It- uh, Flowin and Red Ring Rico got you your Walkman back. They did. The power of friendship. Across the medium. The power the, of anime. The power of games and the power friendship. of God and anime was on my side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't yeah, doubt it. Yeah, but it was just like just seeing like little weird secrets like that. That you know, back then we didn't have huge websites and more hackers to data mine all this stuff. So a lot of this mm-hmm. game was still a mystery, which is what got me to play every single day was the great mystery of what could be if I played yeah. more. And I just feel like yep. you said before, like that kind of like the innocence has kind of died out with these kind of newer games in that sort of sense yeah. as well, where you can go on like for instance with World of Warcraft, you can go on like database websites that has all the drop rates, all the boss spawns, whatever. Yep. The timers for each reset, boss strategies, all this stuff tells you literally how to play the game instead of figuring out how to play the game. And I yep. do, I do dearly miss that a whole lot. You and me both. Yeah. And crazy the, bread. <laughs> and a body that could easily digest and handle oh. crazy bread and hot and all that. And staying up all night playing video games, man. That's that's tough now. That's, oh, that's for, so for me, it's like the opposite. Like, I think my sleep schedule, just my internal body clock, as they call it, is like. It's, I don't know if it's screwed up or it's just always been this way, but, like, I will usually wake up around, like, 11 a.m. or, like, noon most days. Mm-hmm. So, like, work days is a nightmare for me because I have to be up around, like, 9, 9.30 or so. So I'm just like, mm-hmm. ugh. It's such, a, it's such a slog. Like, yeah. <laughs> and usually most nights <laughs> I go to bed, like, at 4 or 5 in the morning. But it's, like, opposite of most other people's. But for me, it's like I wish I could go to bed and, like earlier, but I just, I just can't. I just can't. Yeah. I hear you. Sad tears. Not really. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I'm 30. I got my own life. Yeah, we got a lot of life, and by the time we're old and gray, we can probably just put our heads in or our consciences in a computer and live forever. So who knows? Now, perhaps everything we've set up until this point has gotten you thinking, man, that sounds super awesome, because it is, and I want to play it, but I don't know where to get it, and I don't know how to internet. Well, lucky for you, we can tell you. Yeah. So, with with the GameCube, if the one that Eric and I both prefer, that's our, our, uh, our drug of choice, as it were, for Fantasy Star cravings, if you want to buy it new... I'd recommend you don't because new copies currently go for between $200 and $250 for the GameCube version. Yeesh. It's it's sought after. It's it's a pricey game. Great game. Uh but yeah, that that's a lot of money. But you can get it right now uh on Amazon, things like that new. Just expect to pay a hefty price tag. You can also buy it used. Surprisingly, even used is kind of up there considering and that will range you between 45 and 60 dollars used 
depending on completeness factor and whatnot. Dreamcast is a bit cheaper, with new copies of that going for between $30 and $40, and used copies going for about $25 to $30. And if for whatever reason you want to play the Xbox version, which I have no experience with, so I don't know what all they did, new, it, different... It was a kind of a nightmare. Yeah, judging by these prices, I'm not surprised, because a new copy of the Xbox version of Fantasy Star Online you can get for between $15 and $20, and used... Five to ten dollars. <laughs> so there's probably a reason for that. Yeah, I just don't. It was uh, real quick. The Xbox version, all the font was broken, so there's this weird artifacting on all the font. And Sega or Microsoft, whoever is in charge of the online version, completely abandoned it. So the game got stuck in permanent Christmas lobby for two and a half years straight, I believe, until they shut it down. <laughs> seriously yeah like it was just neglected wow so many hackers it was rough yeah that, very that rough pretty rough yeah they had voice chat but, though which is cool that is cool but luckily if you don't want to spend anything and you're a big pc player you can play for free on private servers the pc version of fantasy star online fantasy star online blue book blue burst mm-hmm. and you can play that right now yep and that has episodes one episodes two and episode four as well as i believe each private server i think there's like the big popular ones Ephenia and ultima um they actually have community events all the time and they actually have custom made quests and stuff so they're always updating it and there's like pretty healthy amount of players that still play it's, it's this pre- guy this game cool. has legs it, yeah it's still being supported by hardcore dedicated fans mm-hmm. so but so let's say in this hypothetical situation you have nabbed one of the versions we uh, have listed but you need some tips to start out as a brand new hunter well we will help you with those as well so eric what's some new advice or any tips you would give to new players uh, any tips for new players pso is you got to learn the rhythm of comboing attacks it is one of the most important things to learn the rhythm because it's almost like uh, almost like a rhythm game in a way, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Where you have to like, time your combo attacks perfectly and create openings to kind of strike monsters and like you know move back, run around, combo two attacks, leave an opening, hit them with a bigger attack. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of this metagame of figuring out different rhythm for different types of weapons because some weapons are faster, some weapons are slower, each do different things. Um, you just got to get comfortable with which ones that you prefer the most. Um, yeah, and then also always, always, always feed your mag when it's hungry. Um, mags are super vital to in-game PSO if you get far enough because they will, as your character levels up, you get stats and you know, increases in stats and whatnot, but mag stats copy over to your character too. So you can like give yourself more HP, more attack power, more magic, all that kind of stuff. And also get a cool looking mag of your own. Cool little robe, bro. Yeah. And also oh, don't bro. do what I did when I first got um, the GameCube version is don't jump immediately into episode two after until after you complete episode one because there is a difficulty jump like there is a difficulty jump between both episodes even though it will let you play it from the get-go i recommend playing through episode one first to get familiar with the world and everything and then go into episode two and then for if you're playing on pc i would say if you want to check out episode four 
normal mode episode four starts at i would say hard mode difficulty ruins it's pretty tough so yeah play each episode at your own discretion and just have fun and yeah. just yeah and just and like but so, and also another thing about pso as, as a tip as well as what you mentioned earlier how you said that you jumped in the game and you know, you're playing it and it didn't really seem like there was a whole lot of story. And that's one thing this game does great is that you don't have to know the story to enjoy it. And a lot of the times... Like the Souls games. Now that I'm thinking about it, it's kind of like the Souls games. Exactly. Exactly. I think that's why I love Souls games so much is that a lot of it is up to your imagination. Because a lot of the areas, um, it does a lot of environmental storytelling. And... Back then, I would kind of like run around and kind of daydream like, oh, like what What if it happened like this? Or, oh, what if it happened like this? Because there's like no cutscenes or nothing in PSO. It's all just in your face, like a Souls game. Mm-hmm. So I, I love that. And that's something I would advise to new players too is just just have fun with it, you know? Just the story is there, but also just, you know, mm-hmm. pay attention to the environments as well because they do tell more than what you're, what you're seeing. So, yeah. And my main tip is be feel free to experiment when you're first starting. Don't try and lock yourself into one particular kind of weapon. Really mm-hmm. try them out, see what fits well with your play style. And then and then after a while, once you've had had some fun with with all of them, then start deciding, uh, maybe with this character I want to specialize in kind of this this weapon and hunt for those things. But mm-hmm. don't be afraid to for the first good while, maybe your first playthrough of on normal, just have fun and if a new weapon sounds interesting, try it. Yep. I one, know that's what one, I did. Yeah, and one great thing too is that as you're progressing through like normal mode specifically, um, it'll start to introduce new weapon types as random drops. So you might be comfortable with getting to know like a sword or a saber as a hunter, and then you get to the caves and you're like, Whoa, daggers dropped, and then those are like super quick hitting mm-hmm. single comp, like single target attacks that are less powerful than the saber, but hit more, which create more like you know knockback for enemies and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you just mix and match, and you can use the quick select menu to quick select different weapons on the fly and just combo up like you know sword attacks to knock back enemies and quickly jump into daggers and finish them off and stuff and. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. And that's the last tip. It's really good. It's so just, just really good. Oh, yeah. And also, um, as a tip, just maybe for not anyone who actually is going to be playing the game, but just, just a general tip, listen to the soundtrack on YouTube. Just do it. Just listen to the soundtrack. It is so good. <laughs> Truth. Yeah, like can vouch for that. PSO soundtrack that. is phenomenal. It's like acid jazz mixed with old Sonic music. Really good, <laughs> cool loading screen too. Yes, that was really tripping. On the GameCube, you could move around the sparkle in the middle. Mm-hmm. I had more fun with that than I care to admit. It's so nice. It's so nice. This, this, it's just, it's just like yeah, like the music and the game's art style and aesthetic is just, it's everything that I love. It's just mm-hmm. vibrant cyberpunk late nineties. Sega vibes and the music also reflects on all that too so yeah listen to the soundtrack give it a listen awesome (laughs) there you go yeah
And for my personal favorite segment of RPG University, we are about to talk about our monster of the week. Mr. Eric, what is the monster of the week? Our monster of the week is the notorious Rag Rappy. So the Rag Rappy in PSO, and it's also in other previous Fantasy Star games, is kind of like, I would say, like the Moogle from Final Fantasy of mm-hmm. Fantasy Star, where it's like this yellow bird with antennas on its head. It's like a yellow penguin. It looks like yes. a yellow penguin it's, with antennas. It's like a yellow penguin with antennas. And the cool, the funny thing is they're kind of like a joke enemy, but they're like dangerous if you get caught in like a huge group of them. Mm-hmm. So like peck you to death and there's like no way to escape their pecks of death. But um, they're super cool because you don't actually kill them in, in PSO. Mm-hmm. Like you knock them down and they like chirp and they fall over. But then you wait a couple of seconds. I want to say it's like 15 seconds or so. And you see their head pop up and then they become targetable. You can smack them, and they'll drop, like, random items, like, you know, it could be weapons, it could be healing items, it could be rare weapons, but there's also rare variants of the Rag Rappy. There was a blue one, I believe, called the Al Rappy, that's super rare, that can drop, um, I think the big one that one can drop is the, uh, the Robo Chow from Sonic Adventure 2, um, as a mag kit. You can turn your mag into a little Robo Chow. And then there was like a Valentine's one, a Halloween one. This, yeah, it's just it's just like the Moogle of mm-hmm. P- PSO basically, and it's just super adorable. And I love it. It is super cute. I love Rag Rappies. I've always wanted to get a plush of one of those. That would be a good plush. That would yeah. be a good they, plush. They, they had them. I just, I didn't. Mm-hmm. I just didn't have money back then, and they were also imported <laughs> to eBay. So mm-hmm. we have to go back and see if there's any of them. Snag me one because I do love me them. Because I have a little PSO shrine already, so oh, yeah. I gotta add to it. Very nice, very nice. But yes, you can find these little adorable yellow penguin creatures in forest areas one or two, and you can also find them in the VR temple alpha and beta areas. That's right. They have in the um, let's see, uh, in the episode one and two version in the forest area, they may drop the Rappy's wing for any section ID in any difficulty, and the normal drop in the drop rate for them on normal difficulty is one out of 7,282. On hard, it's one out of 128, as is the same for very hard. In the VR temple area, they can drop DB Sabers, Khaled Ball. Barista, Custom Ray, version 00, Club of Laconium, Mace of Adaman, Um, all of those they have, that's all for hard, hard mode, and those drop rates are 1 out of 128, and then on very hard they can drop the Bloody Art, the Vajaya, Disca of Liberator, H&S 25 Justice, the Ice Staff, Dagon, Stink Frame, Combat Gear, and Custom Barrier version 00, all also with a 1 out of 128 ratio. Get to those happy runs. Those all have such cool names. (laughs) Mm -hmm. All those weapons and armors just have such cool names. It's like true. Also, just it's just it's inspired me over the years for my own art and stuff Mm because you know I'm a graphic designer. I love making. You know, I, I Photoshop video game stuff for IGN day to day, but I also love doing like, you know, kind of like sci-fi sort of like new weird mm. sort of design stuff. And so PSO has also inspired me for art stuff. 
and also with music too because i kind of dabble in making music and i've even created my own like you know pso inspired album two years ago that surprisingly a handful of people actually really liked so i feel like that might be like my niche just making pso music but yes what a great game i love this game so much oh my gosh i've said that like a billion times by it now it is but... a great game but it it's worth <laughs> it it's worth saying those things over and over yes it is worth it it's like you won't know unless you try it's just it's such a it's just a wonderful experience that i mm. will never ever forget so well with that I couldn't end it any better. So for all of those of you who are still listening right here at the end, you have returned the light to the crystals. You've unlocked a new job class. You've put Dark Falls back in his place. Be sure to rate and review us on your preferred podcast service as each rating and review you leave will cause a leaf on the mana tree to bloom and restoring the balance and saving the world. Plus, I just really appreciate it. I want to give a huge, huge shout out and once again thank you to Mr. Eric Sapp for coming on and joining me as guest professor today to talk about Fantasy Star. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you for having me. It's been so much fun to actually finally get the gush about this game for someone who understands. <laughs> so good. So good. So good. What, where can people find you on the internet? What do you have cooking? What can people look forward to from you? Uh, plug away. All right. So you can find me at, at Eric Sapp, E-R-I-C-S-A-P-P, one word on Twitter. Um, also on Instagram with the same username. Um, I pretty much only use those two for the most part. Um, I'm also on SoundCloud with the same name as well. Yes, I'm plugging my SoundCloud. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I'm also I'm working on a couple of um, projects right now including a Silent Hill-inspired album, which I'm hoping to get done. Ooh. It's not going to be done end of this month. I, I was thinking about this month, but it might be next month. But we'll have to wait and see. So making some spooky trip-hop beats. And I'm also part of Heavy Strike, which is a fun project I'm working on with my buddy Brandon Hunt. Um, we're basically just streaming stupid games and just having fun with each other because... You know, we have our day-to-day jobs. We do our stuff, but then we come home. And we're just like, we want to like, we just want to like goof off and just make things. So we're just having fun, mm-hmm. being dumb online. So check us out there. Awesome, and they make fantastic things. So definitely go check them out. Give them a follow. All that good stuff. But for me, everybody, if you have an RPG you would like to see us talk about, tweet at Irrational Pod with the hashtag hashtag RPGU with what you with what game you would like us to talk about and be sure to follow us over there on uh, twitter at irrational pod you can also follow us on twitch at twitch.tv slash irrational passions and on youtube at youtube.com slash irrational passions and of course all of our written content all hosted over at irrationalpassions.com that we think you might like so until next time everybody thanks for stopping by class dismissed